This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at haunting comedy in Ghostbusters Afterlife and the scandals and betrayal in a fashion family in House of Gucci. We also have lists of the top 10 films of 2021. Honestly, my mom won't say it, but we're completely broke. This is a creepy old farmhouse our grandfather left us in the middle of nowhere. Why'd you bring me up here? Entertainment value. <laughs> What is that? I don't know. In Ghostbusters Afterlife, a mother and her two children become involved in the supernatural activities started by the kid's grandfather in the first Ghostbusters movie back in 1984. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Hollywood cinemas at Sumner to see this funny fantasy. Uh, Carolyn, how well does Ghostbusters Afterlife fit in with the three earlier episodes? I think it fits in really well. I mean, it... it can't fit into the the last one we saw, which was in 2016, with the whole female cast, because that was a completely... It's almost like Marvel multi-universe. That was a completely different universe. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. but as far I, I enjoyed it, though. Yeah, I know. Um, what I'm saying is mm. that you can't... If you saw 2016, the 2016 film, I think it was 2016, yep. the previous Ghostbusters, you can't take anything from that into this one. Yep. This one is directly feeds into the first two, and I loved it because I was a teenager when the first one came out, and I have watched Ghostbusters so many times <laughs> over the years. It was such a favourite movie. Um, yeah. And this one, I just, I just loved every moment of it. Yeah, it was those wonderful. first two, when they came out back in 1984, yes, and then 90, followed in 1989. Yes. Yeah, and so it's quite a, it's another generation now, and that is a significant point here because this one is. was directed by Jason Reitman, and he's actually the son of um, the director of the first two films, Ivan, Ivan yes. uh, Reitman. Yeah, yeah, and Jason also co-wrote this one as well. So yeah, he, yeah. It, they've really kept it in the family, I guess you'd say. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I, and it is really funny because in the movie they make they make fun of that first one in a way because they point out that this happened, because like, it happened in real life in their universe, but nobody's, everyone's kind of forgotten about it and they all have to go to YouTube and Google for all these um, stories about what happened in New York in 1984 because everybody else has forgotten, <laughs> forgotten about it or weren't born, so they didn't know. So there's a lot of little Easter eggs within this movie if you were a fan mm. of the first two yeah. movies. I mean, it's a sort of a, the a structure is a, I mean, it, the characters are different. Yes. Okay, you've got these uh, this one mother with two younger children, 
old boy and the girl's about 12 or something, I think. Yes, yeah. And um, so they're all quite new. And it's only as a... F- and, and they're out in this little township. Now, that's Summerville, significant yeah. because all the other ones are set in New York. Yes. This is a totally different world. Putting this away in a little town. Yeah. And um, so that gives the whole thing a completely a different uh, feel. It opens it up. Yeah, to. absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, there's all these... Um, Differences, but then the last half of this film, or, or as it goes along, gets more and more like the original with yes, you know similar characters, old characters coming back, and situations and old jokes. Even some of the lines are the same. I believe <laughs> I've forgotten. I couldn't know. If they said the yeah, same no. Thing. Who are you going to call? Pops up in there. Yeah, <laughs> yep, it's really that's and right, it's really. It? <laughs> but you're waiting for that because you know that this film has been made as a love letter to the past. And to the um, in one particular character, um, uh, Harold Ramis, who sadly died in 2014, who was the uh, um, Spinkelman, the fourth Ghostbuster or third Ghostbuster, mm-hmm. and this is a kind of a love letter to him in a way. This story, I um, see, uh-huh. and it's all about it and clangs it in because he's the the ghost and. Which isn't a plot spoiler because you find that out right in the first five minutes of the movie, so it's not yeah, it's not spoiling yeah. anything. Um, but all the little in jokes, you are waiting. I was waiting for them to say who you're going to call, and and when it comes, it's funny. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, fair enough. It's okay. Not corny. Yeah, well, you certainly know it better. I mean, I remember it as a great movie. Yeah, a wonderful, enjoyable movie. Yeah. But that detail, I forgot. Yeah, little I things mean. like that. And the <laughs> actors that they've chosen, I think they've made some really clever casting with this film as well. Um, so Finn Wolfhard, who plays the fifteen-year-old, he is actually one of the lead actors in Stranger Things, which is a homage to sci-fi and um, fantasy movies of the 1980s. It's a TV series. So it's really good casting him. Mm -hmm. It's not a huge stretch for him to be (laughs) working with ghosts, really, and strange strange (laughs) things that are happening. And the same with the girl Grace McKenna, who plays um, the younger girl in it. She's 12-year-old. Her last show is uh, Young Sheldon, in which she plays a genius child, yeah. Who knows and way she, more she's than a, She's a genius, the smart, scientific a, yeah, girl plays, in this one, although she's only 12 years yeah, old. Yeah, she plays yeah. a genius child mm. in this movie as well, so it's not a huge stretch for her, <laughs> and they play it really well. And, of mm. course, you've got Paul Rudd, who holds it all to you. He mm. is the comedic comedic. Um, thing to the first yeah. half of the uh, movie. And of course they bring back some of the originals as well for brief uh, appearances. Brief appearances, they Murray, do. They Dan all fit Aykroyd, in. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, and I do actually it. recommend, I watched an interview with the three of them, um, Ernie Hudson and Bill Murray and um, Dan Aykroyd this morning on YouTube uh, where they talked to Seth Meyer about the movie and they talked about... Um, Harold Ramis and everything in, in this film and I do recommend watching it after you've seen the film because mm. it's lovely. Well I must say there's something that had me a bit amazed or puzzled yeah. <laughs> either way. I mean their idea of ghosts isn't quite the same as mine. To right. me they're sort of vague um, spiritual presences yeah. of um, dead people but in this one there's all sorts of weird creatures. No the mellow puff pop, men. Pop yeah. Has it always been like that? It has oh, yeah. and I like think from memory mm. they explain that 
in the very first film why they not all the ghosts take on the form of humans. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah they're, well, they're hilarious. But but it's still taking a bit far when you get those mini marshmallow oh, men, you know, this lolly shop, all yeah, these yeah. Uh, the bag full of ma- white marshmallows turn into little fellows who go running yeah, and flying all over the place. but that's such a huge homage. <laughs> and you were talking about, um, you wanted to talk about the technology. I mean, in 1984, mm. all that kind of CGI and everything yeah. was brand new. Yeah, yeah. And it was amazing to a teenager seeing it on the screen, and and now with all our developments and advancements, and oh stuff, yeah, can they do this so easily to and see so much them better? Again, mm. Yeah, but they were still really, um, mm. yeah, they were still really good. Yeah. No, so so this is good fun seeing for both Absolutely. the both the, the you who've, for the fan, older fans yeah. and for the younger New ones, ones. Yeah, ignore yeah. the critics, you'll love it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That was Carolyn Brown with her views on Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Movie Talk on Plains FM 96.9. With me now is Ian Cumming with his personal list of the top 10 films of 2021. I will follow him with my own. Ian, uh, could you please give us your list of favourite films, starting at number 10 and working up to number one? Well, coming in at number 10 is Jungle Cruise, which I found was a good old-fashioned, thoroughly enjoyable Saturday matinee type of movie. A load of surprising fun with Emily Blunt and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson at their best, making most of corny jokes and perilous situations. The Danish Another Round is my number nine. That's just an unexpected delight as four middle-aged, bored high school teachers experiment with a daily alcohol intake to better engage with their pupils. Mads Mikkelsen heads his well-cast and well-performed colleagues in this amusing and bittersweet Oscar-winning film. The top-notch thriller The Courier is at number eight, and it's based on true events at the time of the Cold War. Benedict Cumberbatch is terrific with his talent and ability to present a conflicted potential spy. It's a credit to director Dominic Cook, whose only other film on Chesil Beach was well-received. I look forward to his next. Now at number seven is Promising Young Woman, with an astonishing performance by Kerry Mulligan in this thrilling tale of slowly building revenge. She was Oscar nominated, but writer-director Emerald Fennell thoroughly deserved her Oscar for original screenplay, a remarkable first ever feature for this woman. In complete contrast, at number six is Summer of Soul, a wonderful musical documentary about the Harlem Black American Festival in 1969. Nina Simone, Mahalia Jackson and Stephen Wonder, Stevie Wonder I should say, just to name a few, are presented in original footage unseen until now. A real labour of love. At five I have another documentary, The Rescue, about the plans and efforts to get a group of Thai boys stranded deep in a network of caves with rising waters. Although we know the result, success, it is still an engrossing edge-of-your-seat drama as it unfolds. Skillful filmmaking at its best. Now, Nomadland is a very difficult kettle of fish, though. From a book based on the people who, dispossessed, become nomadic in camper vans and caravans, this film gained very well three deserved Oscars, including Best Picture, 
director and from Frances McDormand Best Actress. The stunning cinematographer deserved one too in my number four. At three is Judith and the Black Messiah. Could you fault this film? Well, I certainly cannot. Absorbing and gripping, it recreates the time of the Black Panther movement in a powerful political statement. Amazing actors by these two Americans in the drama, Daniel Kalulia and Lakeith Stanfield. So that's the Black Messiah. Titan, or Titan, is my number two, a highly original and disturbing thriller about a woman with a penchant for pleasure with cars and a serial killer, when she feels in the mood, and who goes on the run disguised as a young man. It won the prestigious Palme d'Or last year at Cannes for the director, the only woman to do so since Jane Campion 28 years ago which leads me into Jane's latest film, The Power of Dog, my number one for 2021. Rightly the opening film at our festival, it deservedly won three Golden Globes this year, Best Film, Director and Supporting Actor, Cody Smith-McPhee. Benedict Cumberbatch, for me, uh, an Oscar-winning performance, and there will be more Oscars to reward Campion's extraordinary film. And of those ten films, by the way, five were directed by women. Hmm. Well... Thank you, Ian. Well, I better get stuck into mine now. My number 10 is In the Heights. This is a highly dynamic Broadway musical set among the Latino community in Upper Manhattan with lots of dancing in the streets, although somewhat reminiscent of Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. In the Heights turned out to be a much more positive, light-hearted musical. Number nine is Jungle Cruise. This surprisingly enjoyable action movie for the whole family stars Dwayne Johnson as the captain of a small riverboat who takes a group of people on a dangerous trip through a South American jungle. Number eight is The Rescue. This intense documentary takes us back to the daring rescue of 12 boys from deep within a flooded cave in northern Thailand back in 2018. Number seven is Persian Lessons. Based on a true story during World War II, this intense drama is about a young Jewish man who pretends to be Persian to avoid being executed by the Nazis. Number six is The Last Duel. Set in 14th century France, this historical drama looks at corruption in the higher levels of society with two egocentric men playing for power while pretending to be true to God. The next four films all deal with racial issues. Number five is Summer of Soul, put together from never-before-used film footage taken at about the time of the Woodstock concert. This deeply moving documentary is about the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival, which celebrated African-American music and promoted black pride and unity. Number four is The United States versus Billie Holiday. In this unsettling film, we follow the drug-induced decline of the great black jazz and soul singer Billie Holiday back in the 1940s and 50s, as she is unjustly hounded by US law enforcement. Number three is High Ground. Set in Australia, a young Aboriginal man, in a bid to save the last of his family, helps to track down the most dangerous Aboriginal warrior in the Northern Territory. And number two is Judith and the Black Messiah. This intense drama looks at the thoroughly racist legacies of American law enforcement 
as a black man is used by the FBI in its assassination of a Black Panther leader back in 1969. And my number one is Cousins. Now, there were several excellent New Zealand movies this year, including Juniper and Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog. But for me, by far the best was Cousins, which looks at the very different adult lives of three Maori girls after one of them is taken from her family and raised in an orphanage as a young child. That was Ian Cumming helping me with the top 10 films of 2021. I'd like to thank the sponsor of the show, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Morehouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, assetmanagers, one word, .co.nz. I've been a Gucci all my life. Your name is in the history books. Paolo, you are Gucci, you need to dress the part. Ritschika. House of Gucci looks at the circumstances leading up to the murder of one of the leading members of the celebrated Italian fashion family. Rosie Bell Alcolea has been off to the Academy Cinemas to see this rather scandalous story with lots of backstabbing and betrayal. Uh, Rosie, I, f- I found this film to be much more dynamic and entertaining than I expected. Uh, what did you think of House of Gucci? Uh, I, I, I loved it, especially because of Lady Gaga's performance. I think oh, she, yes. she channels Patrizia Rigiani so well that this Lady is Gaga the disappears. wife of the Gucci. This, yes, yeah. the, the main mm. character, Patrizia. Mm. Yeah. So she she totally owned the the character, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. She disappears. You don't see Lady Gaga. You no, see I Patrizia didn't know. What's Lady Gaga? For a long time, yeah. I just kept on wondering, yeah. who is she, this lovely person? Who is this? But she looked more like um, some film star from back in the 1950s yes. or 60s. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. Think, uh, which one is she? Who is this? She, she, she does not. <laughs> I mean, the resembles, um, the physical resemblance is noticeable, but also her channeling, you know, like the the accent, the, the the I don't know, the way of talking, the way of moving. Yeah, oh no, she's amazing. The mannerisms, yeah. everything was fantastic, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It's just well worth seeing for that alone. Yeah, so mm. she carries the whole movie, right? But mm. also the cast is amazing. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. bring back so many. Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, uh, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Salma Hayek, the Mexican, of course. Yep. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all of them are fantastic and makes the mm. film, for me, yep. was very, very enjoyable. Yeah. Well, I mean, this film is, oh, it starts off way back in about the 1970s and um, 60s, even, I think, and uh, goes through till the 1990s. Yes. Uh, and, uh, but uh, quite a, most of it is early on, in the 70s, around that period. And... Somehow I got the feeling, because you see so many of the, like Al Pacino and these um, actors in there for movies that you associate with films from that time, from the 1970s. And I kept on feeling not so much that I was watching a film set back 50 years ago, but that I was watching a film which was actually made then, because the costuming was perfect. Yes, yes. The music was perfect for that time. The yes. actors all around were from those movies. Everything. And, you know, you just automatically think, this is just like a movie from that time. And then for a 
highly dramatic film. There's so much music in this one. I mean, half the film is set in Milan, in Italy. Yes. There's an Italian family, of course. And um, there's a lot of Italian opera in the background. Yes. And everybody's yes. bursting into singing <laughs> operas and all this. And then they go to New York, where they have their big shops and uh, Gucci shops. And um, here again, you get all the um, American pop music uh, of yes. that time. Yes. You know, and, and all the time, bang, 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 you know, it goes on. It's amazing stuff for such a, a supposedly highly dramatic movie. Yeah, well, every single detail was really taken care of, right? Like, because you see the houses inside and everything, it, uh, it belongs to the time. Yes, yes. And it's, it's perfectly done. And uh, I mean, the fashion as well and everything, right? Like, yeah, no, no, it was really well done. I think Ridley Scott did a very good job also in directing. Yeah, I mean, what amazed me is, uh, well, he's directed, uh, because I, um, in this um, week's program, I've also got my top 10 film list. Okay. And one of my top 10 films for last year was The Last Duel. Oh, yes. And um, Ridley Scott also directed that. Yes. And now, for this year now, I've got a feeling that... Um, House of Gucci could be amongst the top could ten be amongst films again. It seems like Radley Scott really likes to uh, convey these very strong women characters, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he really oh, yeah. knows how yeah, to make got, them yeah. shine. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, you can yeah. certainly lay that on. It's, um, oh, no, no. It, uh, and uh, then, you know, I mean... I don't know if we've really explained too much of this because the whole film ends up with the killing yeah. of... Uh, you've got Patrizia there as the uh, wife. She, uh, You get the feeling that she purposefully married into the Gucci because she wanted to get into the money, big money yeah, and the, the social big power climber, yeah. and all of this sort of a thing. And once yeah. she was in there, she wanted to use this for personal reasons and, and all this sort of thing, manipulating all the other uh, yeah. family around her. I, I think the problem with Patrizia... I mean, I, I'm, maybe I'm talking as a psychologist, right? But I think the problem is that her ambition had no end. Like, she just wanted to have more and more, and she wanted more to have power, the power. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. So this was not about money anymore, but having the power. Mm. So when you when you come from humble beginnings and then you go, you marry into a very big family, which is not just about money, mm. tradition and mm. lots of things going on. Yeah. So when she she's there, she just tries to... She keeps manipulating Maurizio till the point that he doesn't want anymore well, because yeah. then she he can Nicole, see what, what is going wedding, on yeah, exactly. Marriage. So when mm. when they divorce and when she's off, I think she can't handle uh, the loss of power. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, that's a problem. It, yeah, and of course the film ends with her um, organizing, arranging for yes. someone to come and kill to shoot her husband. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Mm. Well, she was yeah. the black widow. She that's what their name they gave her in the uh, <laughs> journalism, in the Italian journalism. She was the black mm. widow for many years. You know yeah. that she was. Well, well, this is quite interesting. The film sort of basically ends at the point where the, her husband. He was not the original Gucci who designed all the clothing fashion, no, but fire. he did become the. Um, Manager of the uh, Gucci shop shopping yes. system later yes. on in life, and um, you know, so you get all get all of this. But the film does not cover what happened to her because she ended up in jail for she, this herself. She, just two years later, mm. after the killing, she ended up in jail, and she was condemned to twenty nine years of jail. But ah. because of good behavior, she was released. 
in 2016 after just 18 years. Ah, yes. But she tried to commit suicide as well inside in mm. 2000. So but she, she came out struggling. of it quite well, I understand. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she, she's well off. And she, she's... Yeah, uh, well, well, can you explain that? Like, she, she got the... Uh, oh, yeah, she, 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 she had, had some allowance the, money. Yeah, yeah and, there, there's uh, a company money still in her name. Exactly. And that had, while she was in jail, that had it built up and built it up. It built up and it built up. And then when she, obviously she didn't have any money while in jail, but then when she was released, they have to give her all the money because plus it was... The interest plus the interest, so, whatever. Yeah. So, so I she mean, came out of the whole thing quite well. She's quite well. I mean, money-wise, she's not... There's not that's not a problem. Mm. I think the problem for her was the But, but the Gucci people don't talk to her now. No. And also, you know, the, as we know and, and as we will see, yeah, it's a little bit sad what happens with Gucci. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, I... I This, this is an ex- a surprisingly good film. Yes, it is. Very good. Very enjoyable. Fantastic actings. Thank you. That was Rosie Bell with her views on House of Gucci. And I'm Hans Petrovic inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz. Music